0: Join me in stepping up to a NordicTrack treadmill with iFit. iFit controls speed, incline, and decline, meaning that as an on-screen trainer leads you through a global or studio workout, the machine automatically mimics the changing terrain or adjusts the speed to the trainer's cues without you
1: having to touch a thing. Explore NordicTrack treadmills
0: at nordictrack.com.
1: KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code AMR at KiwiCo.com.
0: Get close. Flamingo makes an award-winning razor and body care products that aren't overpriced. Get the Flamingo shave set with everything you need for a luxurious smooth shave at shopflamingo.com AMR. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hello there. How are you? Good. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you have big news in your life.
2: I do. I am moving west to Boulder area. So, um, yeah, yeah, from,
0: Mar- it's from Maryland. Time. It's a, it's a big move.
2: It's a huge move, and I have been going through all the emotions of that actually over the last couple of days because. Um, you know, it's, it's so exciting and I can't wait. And I know it's all going to be great, but there's, um, you know, a a lot of, um, I I guess I'm feeling like a sense of loss for Mm. giving up my network here. Um, questioning the sanity of that, you know, but, Mm. um, but I'm trying to, I think that's normal. And, um, I remind myself that good things come with risk. So
0: yes. Good things come with risk. I like that. So I, I never occurred to me, are you a native of Maryland?
2: No, but I have been here pretty much the vast majority of my adult life. So it really feels like home. I think, you know, as you can relate it, as everyone can relate, once you raise your kids in a place, it becomes home, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so if you would share a little bit about why you are making the move.
2: Hmm. This sounds like my therapy session yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> sit up right amanda sit up right <laughs> <I know. laughs>
2: um you know i have i have always always loved colorado and felt very called to it and felt, mm. felt very called to the mountains um and you know if i were to pick a spot in the entire country where i also have a network of people not 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 the deep ties that i have here but i have ties in in that area that would be it mm. um so i don't start from complete zero Uh and um you know my kids are really excited about it too which is which is helpful I would not have done this because Audrey still has a couple years of high school to go and yeah wouldn't have done this without her you know wanting to drive the train a bit I, I gave her control of that and that's that's kind of where we've landed so yeah
0: yeah I think it's really wonderful that that she and she's the um I think just a couple months older than my twins are and and um so that she's going to be going starting her junior year of high school, right? Yeah, yeah, in the fall. So, I mean, that that's, you know, a tough transition for her too. And I applaud her for for realizing that you all could find happiness out there and for going for it.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I agree. Because I've said numerous times that at her age, that wouldn't have been me. I would have fought it tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I really respect that she's got the open mind and, and wants to embrace this. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and it sounds a little bit like you're already starting to move. Like you're uh, oh. there's paper yeah. shuffling. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, Stop yeah. packing boxes, Amanda. Stop packing boxes for the next. I know. Next hour. I know. I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, the running scene. Wow, you are moving to you know just a fitness sports mecca. Yes. Boulder yeah. area. It's
2: really yeah. exciting. I mean mm-hmm. that that really is, and and obviously that's a lot of how I have contacts out there already, you know, so, um, and I've already identified a a running group in my town. They they meet Thursday night and you know, so that'll be fun. Um, so yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. And when is the move officially?
2: Um, right around August 1st.
0: Oh, okay. You got time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Got time. Um, yeah. There are rent backs happening both directions, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all that to make, make everything to make all the stars align. So yeah. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, it'll be nice to have you closer and two, two time zones closer and
2: right, right. Scheduling these podcasts is going to get a little tricky. I'll probably mess up a couple of times. Right.
0: <laughs> Just don't, you know, add, oh, Sarah. Oh, okay. So if that's 10 your time, then that must be eight mine. No, no, no. Right. It goes right. the other way. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Amanda, you know I'm not moving, but I have gotten to look at a bunch of houses lately. Oh, like that? Well, so I live in a neighborhood, um, supposedly the largest historic neighborhood in Oregon, and mm. it's called Irvington. And every year there is the um, Historic Irvington Home Tour, and my husband Jack has been on the board for ages. And then in, you know, in, in the before times, you would um, you would buy a ticket and then let's say five to seven houses would be open and for one day. And um, you get a booklet that shows a picture of the house and then has, I don't know, let's say eight to 10 paragraphs about the house and the decor and who's lived there. And it just kind of interesting tidbits about things maybe have gone on inside the houses something and so anyway so in 2019 they were looking for a new writer for the booklet copy okay and um so i'm like oh i'll do it because then i would get to see these houses ahead of time because i have to say the irvington home tour it is literally my favorite day of the year. I just oh, wow. love going into houses that, you know, I've admired as I've run by them or walk yeah. the dog past them, you know, that sort of thing. And, oh, I get to see inside. And uh, so anyway, so I did that in 2019. And then last year, they didn't have any tour. And this year, it's going to be online, but they still need copy. And so I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. It is awesome, particularly because they had better luck getting people to put their houses on the tour because they weren't going to have a thousand people tromping through it in one mm-hmm. day. Yeah. You know, there, there'd sure. be, um, I, I'm on a committee of, with two guys. And so we got to tour the homes with the homeowners and hear their spiel and and, you know, look at everything. And then, um, they'll take some video and, um, uh, you know, have a photographer there. And then, um, one of the guys on the committee will put it all onto a website and, uh, yeah, so it's just oh boy. Uh, that's just my jam. I love seeing inside houses. Oh, it
2: sounds so fun. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and particularly cuz some of them are historic like one of yeah. the homes and particularly a lot of them have large lots and and you know, I'm right in the city of Portland, so um most lots are kind of postage stamp size. And so this year we got a lot of homes that are on corners that are double and sometimes triple lots. And so, you know, you get, you see the house and you're like, wow, that's so amazing. But then you go in like their backyard and it's just this oasis Mm -hmm. that's hidden, you know, by fruit trees and brick walls and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, I didn't know this existed back here. And um, so there's one house that um, was built um, in 1911 and it has a non-functioning fountain in the back that has a nymph statue that is the centerpiece of the thing that is, I mean, at least my height, if, if not taller, I, I, and I would have said full size, but I'm not really sure what full size is for a nymph. So I didn't want you to think it's, you know, Tinkerbell size. <laughs> it's a birdbath for sparrows. Um, <laughs> so, so the uh, people who live there say that is from San Simeon, which is William Randolph Hearst castle down, along oh. the California coast. Wow. So yeah, and they have no idea how it ended up there. And I'm like, oh, the stories, if the nymph could only speak. You oh, know? <laughs> for sure. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's it's fun. You know, I I um as you know, the as writers, you know, you, you like to feel a little stretched sometimes when you write and you sort of um, lose a little bit of that muscle when you haven't done it in a while. Mm-hmm. So it's been fun to be like, oh, yes, that's just the right word. And <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's nice. Feel we'll flex that muscle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's good times. And, but now, my gosh, with things opening back up, I'm like, you guys, we got to step on the gas. We got to get this site live because yeah. no one's going to want to do anything virtual soon this is so true
2: i think we're all at the end of our ropes
0: with that <laughs> yes. and, you know and they were the they were like oh yeah we're thinking we'll launch in july i'm like no we've got to launch this thing in june <laughs> so so and it's gonna be cool because the site is they want to be open and accessible for anyone And so there will not be, it won't be behind a paywall. They're just gonna ask for donations because it is a big fundraiser for um, schools and other community services in the neighborhood and kind of the surrounding neighborhood. And so uh, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna share it with the Another Mother Runner community. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so that's been a lot of fun, but suddenly, um, you know, like yesterday, I'm like, okay, I need to stop working on AMR stuff and I need to do the write-up about 1729 Northeast Stanton or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so great! <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, today we are going to be talking about nutrition. Um, we have Tamar Samuels, who is co-founder, along with her business partner, Vanessa Rosetto of Kalina Health, a holistic nutrition counseling service based in New York City. Tamar is a registered dietitian nutritionist and national board certified health and wellness coach. Tamar's unique and holistic approach integrates functional medicine, positive psychology, and behavioral change techniques. Tamar's also a new mother runner. Her baby daughter, Everest, is about three months old. Amanda and I will talk with Tamar after this break. Stay with us. Remember in the before times how you'd have to sign up to get time on a treadmill at the gym? Well, welcome to my home gym world. Yup, our Nordic Commercial 2950 treadmill is so popular with my family members and Molly's oldest daughter, I've instigated a sign-up sheet. And it's no wonder this baby is popular. With a massive touchscreen, iFit transports you to an energetic studio workout class or breathtaking locations filmed in more than 40 countries across all seven continents. Amazingly motivated trainers lead you in series to take you from, say, your current three miles a session up to completing a 10k distance over the course of 30 or 40 workouts. My younger daughter is currently seeing the sights of vietnam while training for her first 5k not up for running ifit offers more than 60 types of workouts from yoga to tabata with new sessions added daily the screen pivots so you can get off the treadmill and easily see what you need to do during the various workouts like my daughter i love traveling in this case virtually to far-flung locations on our nordic track treadmill with ifit it's really pretty mind-blowing how lush and close enough to touch everything looks on the treadmill screen whether the sienna-colored hoodoos of Bryce National Park or heather-covered Scottish Highlands. The sights and sounds, namely trainers sharing history and nature details of locations, make the miles pass in a delightful blur. To see all NordicTrack has to offer, from treadmills to bikes, ellipticals, and rowers, all with iFit technology, head to nordictrack.com. That's N-O-R-D-I-C-T-R-A-C-K.com.
1: See where you can go with NordicTrack with iFit. It's hard to believe that summer is right around the corner. My girls are so excited to swim, play in the park, go for walks with our dog, have sleepovers, and lazy days at home. While I'm excited for all those things too, I also worry about the downtime and how to fill it so the girls won't bicker at each other. Which is why I've decided to get a subscription of KiwiCo to keep them busy and learning all summer long. My girls, who are 11, 10, and 8, recently worked on the Felt Succulent Garden Crate together and loved it. They used modeling clay to make gorgeous succulents, and now they have it proudly on display in our kitchen. It's a great addition since I can't seem to keep any plants alive in our house. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or kid at heart every month. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code AMR at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code AMR self-care is
0: a cornerstone of another mother runner we know it helps us each feel grounded it's the quintessential me time we all need it can take many forms for me it's foam rolling then meditating first thing in the morning yet after a while some parts of a daily routine can start to feel dull like shaving flamingo lets you transform shaving from a chore to a ritual flamingo is on a mission to elevate the parts of your daily routine that deserve more attention with feel-good body care products that work and right now, you can get Flamingo's award-winning shave set for just $16 at shopflamingo.com. amr Flamingo makes an award-winning razor and body care products that aren't overpriced. It was started by a group of women at Harry's, the men's shaving brand, who wanted to create a better experience for women, too. So they crafted razors that are both beautiful and affordable, only $2 per blade. Now, Flamingo has more than seven years experience perfecting products for those daily self-care rituals that help you look and feel your best. And with Flamingo's 30-day money-back guarantee, you can try it out risk-free. Now that it's shorts and tank top season, I especially appreciate the close shave I get from my Flamingo razor. I love how substantial the razor handle feels in my hand and how the high-quality blades pivot around my ankles and knees. Get the Flamingo shave set with everything you need for a luxurious, smooth shave at shopflamingo.com slash AMR. This includes Flamingo's award-winning razor, also award-winning shave gel, and body lotion, all for just $16 plus free shipping, one less trip to the drugstore. Get yours today at shopflamingo.com slash AMR. That's shopflamingo.com slash AMR.
3: Thanks for joining us, Tamar. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you guys. Nice.
2: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your running background. Um, and I'm sure it's um, kind of an evolving situation, but um, tell, tell me about you know the background first.
3: Yeah. So I actually started running, you know, nobody has ever asked me this before, which is interesting. Um, I started running in high school, not competitively, just for exercise and, you know, mental health. It was something that uh, was easy you know went to the gym hop on a treadmill and then I got super bored with that as people <laughs> tend to do <laughs> and I um I grew up in um Woodstock New York oh um, so it's in the Hudson Valley yeah it's super mm-hmm. gorgeous there so I was like you know I'm gonna run outside because it's really nice out and so mm-hmm. that sort of just naturally evolved into just having a regular kind of running habit that I have been able to maintain since then. Um so I've I've just always really enjoyed it as a way for me to, you know, support my mind and my body and uh and that's kind of where it got started. It was very natural and easy.
0: Nice. Nice, right. nice. So uh you mentioned in an email that you're looking forward to getting back to running postpartum. That was a couple of weeks ago we had that email exchange. So um, have you gotten back to it? What's your plan? Um,
3: yeah, I actually have. I've been almost exclusively running postpartum, although it is so challenging. <laughs> I'm sure all the moms can relate. Um, it's, I didn't run at all during my pregnancy. Um, I had a lot of nausea for a long time, unfortunately, and some mm. vomiting up until five months. Wow. Um, Yeah, it wasn't fun. It was (laughs) was not fun. (laughs) My daughter really... She really did a number on me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And so running was just, I was like, I'm not even going anywhere near this. Um, I did do, I did exercise throughout my pregnancy. So I did do um, some spinning. I'm, I love, I love SoulCycle. I'm a SoulCycle Mm -hmm. fanatic. So Mm -hmm. that's sort of the other form of cardio that I do. And that was like a little bit easier for me to tolerate because it was more low impact. Um, So it's been quite a long time since I have run Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because I didn't run at all Mm -hmm. um, while pregnant. And um, you know, it's just, it's been tough, but I it's, I'm, you know, based out of New York and it's just Finally, nice out. It's been snowing for eternity. It's been a long, (laughs) hard winter. So um, I just took advantage of the weather finally turning. And I think, as a mom, especially in these newborn, um, this newborn stage, as a mom, you know, you just kind of got to get it in where you can. Mm -hmm. Um, And I haven't really had access to group fitness because of the pandemic. And um, I can do a quick run really easily at any time um so it's been something that I have just been kind of pushing myself to do even though it's really 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 difficult (laughs) but I've enjoyed it it's getting easier
2: (laughs) (laughs) nice nice yeah so tell us a little bit about new motherhood in general how is it treating you and um what's it been like to become a parent in the midst of the pandemic
3: new motherhood is so challenging. <laughs> it's, it's so amazing, but wow. It's one of those things when I talk to all my parent friends, they're like, you don't know what it's like until you do it. And mm-hmm. when you do it, it changes your life in, you know, a way that you could have never imagined. I, um, I'm 35. So I started a little bit later. I don't, I don't know what age kids people are having kids these days but um it definitely has been an adjustment (laughs) I like to really like keep it real for (laughs) uh you know everyone out there because I think that you know with social media nobody really talks about Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a parent for the first time or a mom specifically for the first time. I think some people are more transparent than others, but Mm -hmm. it's been honestly incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it's been really rewarding, but really, really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure you, you guys are both moms, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. assuming yeah. <laughs> and,
2: and I had my first at 35 as well. So I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah.
3: yeah. It's, it's such an adjustment. I mean, the, the no sleep alone and then healing mm-hmm. from birth and, um, you know, I feel like moms have or just parents in general have that like amnesia where they sort of forget what it's like (laughs) in the very early stages because there's it's so intense and you're so sleep deprived but I'm still very much in that although Everest is 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 gonna be three months next week or this weekend so she's starting to get a little bit easier but um you know these poor little babies they just they need you so much and they're figuring it out and their digestive system is, you know, all, all confused Mm -hmm. and they're confused and you don't know what they want. And, (laughs) um, you're also like sleep deprived and healing from birth and, you know, transitioning back into work. It's it's a a total whirlwind and it's, there, you know, there are days where I'm like, what, why did I decide? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you'll, you'll keep having those days. They might become more frequent as you, as Everest becomes a teenager.
3: Oh man. I'm like, wait, and, and then we have to have another one. Like, what? I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I might be one and done. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think with the pandemic, um, you asked earlier about that I think that added a whole nother layer of difficulty yeah because the isolation Mm -hmm. and not being able to sort of access the things that I would normally access for self-care and um, it's just you know we're already all in this really intensely emotional state that is really restrictive and then you know adding pregnancy and then you know, that having a newborn, that sense of feeling like locked up inside and not Mm -hmm. being able to leave is definitely heightened. I mean, I've, I've been, uh, you know, things are opening up now and I've been visiting family and friends and that has helped so much. But I think the isolation has been the biggest challenge with the pandemic for sure. And, you know, my partner, my husband, not being able to like go to doctor's appointments with me and, um, you know, my daughter. Yeah. 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 That was like, it wasn't terrible because there's a lot of appointments and he probably wouldn't have gone to all of them with me anyway but yeah you, you know even um in my my daughter I had to be induced so there were some like difficult decisions that I had to make I, I was induced early not because I was um over 41 mm-hmm. weeks uh-huh. um I was induced at 38 weeks so um you know, I would have loved for him to be in that doctor's appointment when I decided that I wanted to be induced. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely been challenging, but at the end of the day, I have an incredibly beautiful baby girl who I just adore, even if she tortures me at <laughs> night.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. So, so your path to becoming a dietitian started in a very personal place for you. It sounds like, you know, could you take us through that journey a bit, please?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I have always, Um, my parents I think I mentioned I was I'm from Woodstock New York and my my parents are actual hippies like my dad is a musician (laughs) Uh, it's it's it's, I'm very cliche Uh Um, and they have always been really interested in food sort of as medicine but more so like I just grew up eating really whole foods like we they cooked every meal in Woodstock there's no fast food restaurants. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, hadn't had McDonald's or any sort of fast food exposure at all in this like little small town in the Hudson Valley. Um, And it was just sort of normal for me to eat um, very, very healthfully. And then I moved to New York when um, I graduated high school. And I started to just really develop a lot of GI issues, lots of Mm. bloating, um, you know, lot, just lots of pain. Um, Mm. and it was sort of like a daily struggle, you know, it's, it's so difficult to, um, feel uncomfortable every single day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that discomfort, you know, I, I really found was related to food I was eating in a very different way than I had eaten in the past. And I think, you know, I had played around so much with restricting different foods in order to manage my symptoms. And it just felt like this black hole of like not knowing how to control my body and to just feel comfortable. You know, I think we have to eat at least, you know, two, three times a day, hopefully, and to constantly feel discomfort multiple times throughout the day. It's just so challenging. Um, and I think that that can really change your relationship with food and cause a lot of anxiety around eating around, you know, um, making certain choices and feeling restricted and then guilt and shame. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a whole spectrum of sort of the emotions that come up around managing a chronic condition, um, that you don't really know anything about and sort of experimenting on your own. And that's really how I started to get into nutrition, um, and I definitely sought out experts um, in, you know, various different fields from chiropractors to naturopath doctors to medical doctors and specialists, PTs. I, I did all the things <laughs> um, and, um, you know, eventually got to this space where I was able to really heal. Um, and that journey really um sparked my interest in nutrition, and I started. I actually started working with kids in Harlem mm-hmm. um, and teaching. I was teaching at an after-school program, and I it, and during the summer, um, we were able to sort of teach anything really, as long mm-hmm. as the kids are entertained. They were high schoolers, so they're a handful. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I ended up teaching like a nutrition, healthy cooking class, and I really sort of just fell in love with it. And and Decided to you know change career paths. I had wanted to be a therapist at the time, and um, I changed career paths. Got into the dietetics program at NYU, and never looked back.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, so tell us exactly what be, what a holistic nu- or what holistic nutrition means. You know, um, I don't think there's patchouli and crystals involved, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh-
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know that term holistic is so. Um, I think it can be confusing, but it's also like, I think it's overused a lot mm. and it can mean something different for everyone. I think mm. for me, holistic means really addressing um, the full spectrum of humanity when it comes to health, right? Mm. So I think holistic health really focuses on um, individuals and different parts of those individuals. So um, really understanding food is, is something that it doesn't exist in this this isolated space. Food is influenced by um, so many things, by culture, it's influenced by physical activity. Um, Physical activity influences food, Mm. Um, you know, joy, pleasure, um, lifestyle, right? For really busy people, food can play a different role than it does for people who have more time on their hands. And so Mm -hmm. I think addressing all of these things is really important when we're talking to people about nutrition. And that's the perspective that I'm coming from. When we Mm -hmm. talk about having a holistic approach, I think it's about really recognizing that um, we need to address all of the things that influence somebody's nutrition within Mm -hmm. our scope of practice, of course, um, in order for people to, in order for you to connect with people, but also in order for people to get results, right? We can't just give them a meal plan and say, do everything that I say Mm -hmm. um, and expect them to have long-term sustainable change. We need to address um, their relationship with food. We need to address access to food. Um, We need to address like pleasure with food. Um, All of these things need to be a part of the conversation when people are looking to make changes in their health around nutrition.
2: (laughs) Well, that's, you know, that's a perfect lead in to my next question, you know, since you're a runner and a dietitian, um, let's start with some basic recommendations that, that always confound runners. Um, how about some good options for a little bit of fuel in the morning before going out to run there's, you know, we, we all have done slices of toast or bananas with some nut butter, anything else that you might, um, suggest and and help us shake
3: it up. Yeah. You know, it's so tough. I actually struggle with this too, because I, as you both know now, I have GI stuff and, (laughs) um, you know, since I've been running again, i I've noticed, you know, with hormones, things change all the time as women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I've been struggling a little bit as well because, um, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I'm having low fiber stuff low fiber foods, um, but also fueling appropriately, certainly having, you know, carbohydrate based meal is really important, but I think, um, my go-to really, I know it's simple is really just a banana. <laughs> um, I, I, find, depending on how many miles you do, I, I usually only do like three to five and I'm very far away from the five marker at this point. <laughs> um, but um, I, I just love having fruit pre-workout. Um, I experiment with anything from like banana to, um, you know, pineapple. I'm really, really into right now because of all of the, the water content. I've actually mm. even tried coconut water pre-workout because it mm-hmm. does have some natural sugars in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course you're getting the electrolytes. So I think that is really helpful. Something that I've also recommended if you have sensitive tummy is really just doing like a packet of honey before a
0: mm-hmm. run.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't sound like the most, you know, interesting, delicious thing, but you're getting just really mm-hmm. concentrated hit of glucose to help to support your your run um and, and you know there's not much volume there so you don't have to worry as much about having any like gi issues mm-hmm. um i'm also a big fan of rice cakes i feel like it's so cliche as a dietitian and, and some <laughs> dietitians will be like oh rice cakes like there's diet food you know mm-hmm. there's like a lot of controversy around um rice cakes these days in the nutrition world. But I think that like, if you're not someone who can tolerate that much fiber, even a piece of toast or oatmeal can just be too much Mm -hmm. um, before a run. And so I think having rice cake is a great, like simple, low um, fiber carbohydrate, that's high glycemic index. And then you know, sprucing it up and adding, um, whatever topping you prefer. I mean, of course the, the peanut butter and sliced apples is like one of my favorites and I always like to sprinkle like some cinnamon on it. Um, but that again might be too much depending on how sensitive your stomach is. So when it comes to pre-workout, I like to keep it really simple because Mm -hmm. my stomach is really sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have the most creative ideas, but, <laughs> um, they, they work if you don't want to, you know, have, uh, diarrhea while you're running.
2: <laughs>
0: so, just put it out there. Just say it. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Nobody wants that. Uh, you know, it's, 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 you're just, especially if you're running outside, you're looking for, you know, where the next bathroom is. So, <laughs> um, it yep. can be really helpful if, if that's, That's something that's
2: a challenge for you. Yeah. So we're imagining that you work with a lot of active clients, um, including female runners.
3: And um, what do you see as some of their biggest concerns? Yeah, I do work with a lot of active clients. It's so great because I feel like everybody is active these days or at least trying to be. Um, so I have a variety of different levels. I have some clients who are training for a marathon um, and other clients who are, you know, doing the couch to 5k and just learning how to run for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly with the longer distance runners, I think the biggest challenge is managing weight while also training um For, you know, a longer distance race or or run, um, that can be really challenging for a lot of women. Um, I actually have found that my clients tend to either, you know, gain weight during that time or not be able to lose weight. So if they were working with me for weight loss before... Um, that weight loss definitely tends to halt during the, the training. So that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely an anemia, iron deficiency, anemia is a big one. So fatigue, I think, you know, runners have increased needs for iron and, and um, when you're training that much um, a lot of people are just not getting enough Of the right sources of iron in general anyway with the shift towards more plant-based diets which isn't necessarily a bad thing but I think um you know the supplement supplementing is really important for people who are more plant-based and trying to run um certainly like meeting protein needs is a challenge for a lot of people and just really understanding like how many carbohydrates they need Mm -hmm. and when is a big one um for my for my clients who are just getting started with running I think just learning how to fuel appropriately is a big challenge um, and managing the hunger that comes with increasing your physical activity in general but certainly with running too Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's such a challenge for people is is being able to you know have so many clients who are like, I have this incredible fitness routine that I just started but I'm overeating, binging and craving sugar more than I ever have. Like, I don't know uh, what's happening. You know, so I think that's something that comes up a lot too.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned the, um, you know, people who are training for endurance events and either they were trying to lose weight and that just comes, you know, grinds to a halt or, you know, maybe even putting on a few pounds when training for that. I mean, how do you give it, you know, what type of advice do you give them in terms of eating choices but then also you know that's such a big mental piece it's like wait a minute i'm putting in you know 35 40 miles a week and i the scale just is you know frozen in place you know how do you how do you work with um both aspects of that
3: it's super frustrating and really challenging for people and i think there just isn't enough awareness around it um But, you know, when you are pushing your body um, to that extent, Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to be in a calorie deficit. (laughs) Um, You know, weight loss requires a calorie deficit, whether you're, you know, counting calories or not, which I don't typically recommend counting calories. It's just not sustainable. But, you know, if, if we're looking to lose weight at the end of the day, whichever way that you do it, whether it's manipulating macros, with a, you know, a lower carb diet, um, or, you know, counting calories or whatever the method is, um, it requires a reduction in nutrients and Mm -hmm. in nutrition, which is not great when you're ramping up physical activity and you have increased needs, um, for repairing muscle and for fueling all of the running that you're doing. And so the two are very much opposing one another. So I think honestly, managing people's expectations and letting them know if you're going to do this, I wouldn't expect, nor would I recommend for you to continue to focus on weight loss.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's an important message for women to hear. For sure. Yeah. 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 So you've touched a few times on protein. So, you know, um, as runners that who might be doing strength training, hopefully doing it, um, we all know it's important to take in enough protein to rebuild the muscle that we're breaking down. So, and as you also alluded to, you know, a lot of people are going to plant-based diets. So um, as maybe families are looking to cut down on their intake of red meat and or animal products, what are some of your favorite vegetarian sources of protein? And including your answer, please, you have to talk about your take on all the fake meats out there because we could use up the rest of this program listing them all. But, you know, I mean, I think people know about Beyond and Possible. I mean, it's, it's just... I feel like that section of whole food just grows every time I start by there.
3: <laughs> totally. It's, it's so interesting because, you know, I think we, even the plant-based sort of phenom that we're experiencing right now mm-hmm. does have some inklings of diet culture built into it, right? Oh, yeah. like, diet culture mm-hmm. is so insidious. And even if we're eating plant-based for the planet, I feel like there's Still, this sort of restriction and this Mm fad. And while there are positives, certainly about eating more plants, I mean, you know, it's a very good thing from a nutrition perspective. Um, I think that it, we really just need to find a happy Mm (laughs) (laughs) medium. And I think that, you know, the meat industry, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the meat industry in our country. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I totally understand from an ethical perspective and from an environmental perspective to want to reduce our intake of Mm -hmm. that. Um, But at the same time, eating, substituting meat for these like highly processed foods that are often very difficult to digest, really aren't real foods i mean they're they're if you look at the ingredients it's really like created in a lab things that you Mm -hmm. wouldn't find that exist naturally in nature um and you know i think going from from eating meat to that can actually be a downgrade in terms of nutrition i mean it doesn't Mm -hmm. have full amino acid profile it's often not as filling um, it tends to cause GI issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not getting all of the vitamins and minerals that we would get from having animal proteins. Um, so there are a lot of nutrition challenges with having those foods. And so if somebody wants to go completely plant-based I typically recommend keeping those to a minimum and, and having them you know no more than a couple of times a week and really focusing on whole food sources of of protein like beans, nuts, seeds um i'm not sure you know how plant-based an individual is but i think eggs are such a great addition to a plant-based diet um Mm -hmm. and for some people dairy products can be a great source of protein as well depending on Mm -hmm. again how plant-based the individual is um and fish you know there's just so many plant-based doesn't really have a definition you know Mm -hmm. i think we have plant-based and then we also have vegan um which is obviously no animal products, but I think you can be plant-based and still incorporate um, high quality sources of protein that have all of the amino acids um, and a variety of different vitamins, minerals and phytonutrients too. So mm-hmm. I recommend focusing on the whole food sources of protein. Mm-hmm. I think if you're running really you know, long distances and really putting the miles and you might need to supplement not necessarily with like a Beyond Burger, but with like a protein powder. Um, I like I like hemp protein powder um, for a plant-based option. I think it's really great. Um, it has a full amino acid profile. Um, but there are a ton of different pea protein is great. There's a ton of different options out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't necessarily need to have those if mm-hmm. um, you're you know not doing you know a marathon training <laughs> um not that all marathon runners need to have you know uh, protein powders but I think you have to be really strategic about getting adequate protein um mm-hmm. if you're really putting the miles in for sure yeah and yeah. and trying to be exclusively plant-based mm-hmm
2: Okay. Then at the other end of the spectrum, let's talk about carbohydrates. Um, We loved an Instagram post that you had on the Kalina health account last month that stated emphatically that that you said, all right, we're just going to say it. We are sick and tired of people preaching and cutting carbs. Stop the madness. Carbs are necessary and nourishing and wonderful. So can you elaborate on that for us?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the body's primary fuel source is glucose. Glucose is the breakdown product of carbohydrates. And so we can alter the way that we um, consume energy by going putting our bodies in a ketogenic state um, by eating very very low carb and high fat and our body naturally goes in into ketosis at various points when we're fasting um, but we're not in ketosis indefinitely <laughs> and our body prefers to fuel on glucose and so we really do, need and want carbohydrates from a (laughs) physiological perspective in order for us to have energy. Um, which is why, you know, if you think about it from a mommy perspective, right. You, you, you can't be in uh, ketosis when you're pregnant, um, your baby needs glucose. So, um, you know, again, it sort of just emphasizes the how important glucose is and how, therefore how important carbohydrates are, um, That being said, I think people metabolize carbs differently and everybody has different carbohydrate needs. Um, And I think that's where the problem is, is that everybody assumes that cutting carbs is gonna produce weight loss and solve all their problems and they'll sleep better and they won't have cravings. Mm -hmm. And um, I think in general, most Americans probably do eat too many carbs, too many of the wrong types of carbs. but that doesn't mean we need to completely eliminate them in order for us to reach our health goals. And certainly, a lot of populations don't do well with a very low carb diet. For instance, runners, mm-hmm. um, uh, and 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 just women in general. A lot of women um, don't, especially women who have thyroid conditions, don't tend to do well on lower carb diets. Um, and so I think it's 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 really about understanding the nuances of carbs and um, portion size and fiber, uh, you know, and that being part of the equation and, and how each individual really tolerates carbs. That Mm -hmm. is the dialogue that I wish people were talking about instead of just saying like, Oh, so-and-so celebrity did keto. They lost a bunch of weight. I'm going to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to shift the dialogue around carbs to think about personalization you know i think i think while it's true that a lot of people eat oh sorry everest is
0: crying. can you hear her yeah yeah, yeah. Do, do you want to go do, do are you on mommy duty do you want to go take care of her
3: no, no, no. My I have childcare. She just got back from a walk. Oh, she's <laughs> <laughs> It was not a good walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she she enjoys the outdoors, but she has a limit. <laughs> 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 um, um uh so I think the dialogue around carbs needs to be really focused on instead of just saying let's eliminate carbs and for for us to lose weight and, you know, think think have better brain health. Let's let's think about how we can modify carbs to support our individual health.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, And that modification could be increased carb. I mean, I had, I have a, I had a client yesterday who I think I mentioned, she was like, I started exercising more and all, and I'm eating low carb and like I'm miserable. I'm not sleeping. And I'm not losing weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's because you're eating low carb <laughs> and you're exercising too much, or you're you're not eating enough carbs to support your exercise. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I think you know, in many cases, increasing carbohydrates is, can help with weight loss, to because mm-hmm. it helps support hormone balance. So mm-hmm. it really is very very personalized when it comes to carbohydrates. Definitely my favorite topic to talk about with people. Um, especially women, because modifying carbs to support, you know, your hormones is a huge thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it works. It works really well. So for
2: um, women who have potentially kind of been eschewing carbs and, you know, they want to, you know, they're listening to this and they want to maybe start easing back into um, incorporating them in their diets. um, It can be tough. So what advice would you offer them?
3: Yeah, it can be like emotionally really challenging. I think women mm-hmm. especially can feel like, oh, I'm going to gain weight and and it's going to be horrible. Um, I like to take the approach of experimenting with all of my clients. So I talk to them about this all the time, having this experimental approach to your health. And I know that can be scary, but we're not doing anything indefinitely. We're just trying stuff mm-hmm. and, adjusting, collecting data and adjusting based on that data. You can really do any, you know, nutrition experiment for a week, right? Um, and see how how it feels. And it's, I think knowing that it's not a long-term thing can be really healthy helpful from a mental perspective. And that sort of just brings me back to parenthood too. You know, I know <laughs> that this podcast is, is, is very much about, you know, being a mom. Um, I think the same thing is true, right? When you're in those dark days of like is this mm-hmm. am, am I ever going to get sleep again? Like is it going to be this hard all the time? Yeah. Um, you know, the advice that everyone says is like it's going to get easier. This is going to pass. It's not going to be like this forever. There it will change, but and it might be hard in a different way, but you know, your your kids grow and with that comes an, a new set of challenges, but also a new set of things that are incredibly gratifying and rewarding and Um, The same is true for trying something new with nutrition, you know, adding these things back in can be a little bit scary, but it's just a temporary thing um, that, and if you do gain weight, that's okay. You can lose it, you know, (laughs) Um, or if you do feel more tired or have less energy, that's okay. We can tweak it back um, and, you know, cut it back and see if that helps. And, and so I think a being open-minded and giving yourself the space to try something and maybe not feel great or try something and feel amazing is really from a mental perspective, mm-hmm. really helpful to overcoming the challenges. Um, and just not putting too much pressure on yourself to solve all your problems and giving yourself the space to explore.
0: Yeah, I think that's important. And also to just take it one day at a time where, you know, like you said, it's, it's experimental. And if it doesn't work, we can always change back to something else or try it, try plan B or something. So, um, so we know you often give guidance to people who use food as stress management. And um, I can only imagine that that's become more prevalent during these extremely stressful past 15 months. So, you know, what are some takeaways that you can share with listeners who might be eating in a different way these days due to stress and anxiety?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think on that topic of what we were just discussing, giving yourself a little grace, right? It doesn't help that you're hard on yourself and shaming yourself and feeling guilty about eating your feelings during this, um, you know, very difficult time. I think what's done is done. Food can, can be a helpful stress management tool, right? It's easy. It's accessible. It triggers our pleasure centers in our brain. So in the short term, at least it makes us feel better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so let, I think letting go of any of that guilt or shame with this, you know, quarantine 15 or whatever that number is, mm-hmm. um, and, and knowing that these have been extraordinary circumstances and that, you know, you needed to take care of yourself and maybe you didn't have access to the things that you normally would have, or if you did have access, everything just was so overwhelming that mm-hmm. you, you couldn't, you know, use those tools as f- effectively, as you have been able to in the past, it's okay, right? Like it, it, it's, it's okay. Um, and then I think really after you've sort of worked through that and let go of some of that, that guilt and shame, really, just like you said, taking it one day at a time, you know, I think being able to recognize your stressors and recognize that food is one of many tools to manage stress is really A lot of people don't know what their triggers are. Um, When I work with my clients, I really work on identifying some of the root cause um, of stress and Mm -hmm. then utilizing tools that actually get at that root cause, right? Like food doesn't really get at the root cause of stress, but, you know, maybe you're stressed out because you're feeling really isolated and how can we work on that isolation even within, you know, the pandemic space? do more social time via Zoom, right? Um, set up group um, Zoom cooking classes with your friends. Um, you know, working on sort of dealing with the root of the issue um, can be really, really helpful. And, and and I think helping people to identify that is the work that I really love doing. Mm-hmm. Um, some people just, you know, need to, <coughs> a, change, a change of environment, right? Um, Some people need to be able to talk more, um, or need more social support. Mm -hmm. Um, others just need more access, right? I think a lot of people are struggling because they're so close to their kitchen all day long. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so like manipulating the home environment where you have foods at home that, that support your goals or support your health Mm -hmm. is, is another thing, um, or changing your space. So you're not working at your kitchen if you can. So really getting at the root of, of where the stress is coming from and then integrating tools to help manage that route mm-hmm. instead of just defaulting to, uh, to food to make you feel better is, mm-hmm. is the work that I really love to do with my clients. Mm-hmm.
2: So I wanted to touch on intermittent fasting. It seems to be The trend that's not fading away so um talk a bit about it and i I know that you and your business partner don't condone the practice
3: yeah it's not that we don't condone it i think that um intermittent fasting is so popular because it doesn't really restrict the types of foods that you're eating and i think people really like that freedom it restricts when you're eating but not what you're eating Mm -hmm. um And so as far as like, quote unquote, diets go, it doesn't feel as restrictive. That being said, it doesn't work for a lot of people (laughs) from a behavioral perspective. Um, A lot of the literature on intermittent fasting has actually been done on men. um, And what the results have yielded have been um, successful or relative success. There's still not a huge body of science on intermittent fasting, but on humans. Um but what the results have shown us is that it tends to be more effective for for men who are overweight or obese according to their BMI um and have insulin resistance, which is um, you know, the precursor to diabetes, also known as pre-diabetes. So a lot of the research does s- does say that intermittent fasting can help with weight loss and can help with blood sugar control within that population. Um, but that's a small population of, of, <laughs> of, of humans, right? Like, uh, there, I'm sure, are many overweight or obese men with insulin resistance, but what about everyone else, right? <laughs> um, what about women? What about women who are quote unquote normal weight according to their BMI? What about um, women who have hormone imbalances or women who are perimenopausal or, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that mm-hmm. don't fit in that category. And I think that um, the research, we don't know much about it. There has been some studies that have shown that um, intermittent fasting can influence our our menstrual cycles mm-hmm. um, in a bad way. Um, and from a behavioral perspective, intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting can, and I've seen this and it makes sense, can actually, um, encourage overeating and binge eating. Um, so it's definitely not for everyone, um, but it can be helpful for some people. So again, I think it comes back to like personalized medicine. I, I certainly would not recommend intermittent fasting for runners, um, especially people who are doing long distance running. Um, Cause you just, you need, you need the fuel. <laughs> and if you only have a, a small window of time to get that fuel. in, um, I think also to intermittent fasting, there's lots of different ways to intermittent fast. Um, there's like the, the eight hour feed, 16 hour fast. There's a one or one day a week, a 24 hour fast where you're not having ev- anything. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different, yeah, I know. Can you imagine? I, yeah, I would, I can't even imagine. Um, But there's lots of different ways to intermittent fast too. And a lot of the research has been done on the, on the eight, the 16 hour fast, but uh, also a lot of the research is done on the more restrictive fasting too. And so I think we refer to intermittent fasting just as that, this like big category, Mm -hmm. but there's lots in the research. If you really dive into the research, there's lots of different styles of intermittent fasting and protocols that researchers are are experimenting with. And so, um, you know, I think that's part of it too, Mm and what works and doesn't work for each person. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not something I think there are, and it also doesn't, you know, talk about quality of the diet, right? So I think more than anything, that's the most important thing, (laughs) right? Um, If somebody is intermittent fasting, but they're not eating nutritious foods, then I'd say like, let's switch the priorities up a little bit here. It's much more important for you to be making healthy choices and nourishing your body than it is for you to be fasting within within this time period and eating within this time period. So- um, most people don't even have the basics of healthy eating down. So I feel like intermittent fasting is like higher level thing. That's not as important as just getting the basics of healthy eating. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So last question asking you to maybe look a little bit into a crystal ball or, um, be a, a trend forecaster, um, what food or eating trends do you see on the horizon, especially ones that you either like, or ones that are cause for concern?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the nutrition space is just so crazy. <laughs> I can't <laughs> yeah. believe I got into this industry. And there are so many trends, some good, some bad, some both. I mm. think this might be controversial, but the I I like the idea of eating intuitively, but I think intuitive eating isn't accessible to a lot of people Um, and I think it's important for us to address that when we have a conversation around intuitive eating. Um, So for example, um, if you're managing a health condition um, like pre-diabetes, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, your ability to eat intuitively can be altered because of your bio chemistry because mm. of your hormone imbalances, right? You will, if you, if your insulin resistance is not under control, you will crave carbohydrates,
0: mm.
3: um, and sweets, and it will be difficult for you to get in touch with, um, that quote unquote intuition of what to eat because it's altered by your health condition. Mm. And that's isn't really being talked about within the intuitive eating space. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's great that, you know, there are no good foods and there are no bad foods and we can't label foods based on morality. Mm -hmm. I'm all about that. I think it's also important to give yourself space to eat foods for pleasure and joy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like Mm -hmm. that's really important too. We don't need to just eat for fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's also important to, include health and medical conditions as part of the dialogue of intuitive eating and not just say, you know, check in with yourself and eat what you want. Um, eat, what, eat what your body is telling you it needs because those signals can be altered depending on, you know, what's going on from a biochemical perspective. So mm-hmm. that's a little controversial, but that's something that I, I just, really talked to my business partner and I about quite a bit and just kind of making sure that people are, um, you know, aware of that part of, you know, quote unquote eating intuitively. Um, I think supplements are a really big thing these Mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know supplements aren't necessarily food, but they're definitely, uh, trending in a major way. Um, which is, I think also good and bad, right? I think that the way that we manufacture food in this country, um, can impact, even if we're eating a whole foods diet, it can impact the impact the nutrient content in our food. So, you Mm. know, a vegetable that is grown on a local farm with nutrient rich soil, is going to have a very nutrition, different nutrition profile than that same vegetable that is grown on, you know, a large scale farm that's exposed to, um, you know, different chemicals that has different GMO seeds or, you know, whatever the, the growing conditions are, Mm -hmm. um, the nutrient content will be different. And so like, even if you're eating a whole foods diet, Um, you might not be able to meet your needs, Mm -hmm. especially considering the demands on the body, right? So Mm -hmm. we have increased needs for certain nutrients, um, depending on certain medical conditions, and depending on stress levels. Um, Supplements are important and definitely needed for certain populations of people, but they're not regulated. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to, and, and they're expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. wow. They, I've seen some crazy expensive supplements out there. I mean, we're talking like upwards of a hundred dollars here wow. for yeah. a single supplement and I, and you know, for 30 days and it has a bunch of ingredients that we don't know are going to work, or we don't know those ingredients are actually in the product. Mm-hmm. It has great marketing, but um, it's we don't know if it's trustworthy or not. And I think people are just looking for something that can help them to feel better and you don't always need it with supplements. And if you do, you have to be really careful about the brands that you're using and the ingredients that are in it. So that I think is a big trend that I am also, you know, excited about, but also really weary of, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, because of the implications that it has for people's health. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah I feel like intuitive eating and supplements are kind of a big a big thing that's happening right now
0: yeah yeah oh my goodness all right well I think that I think I hear Everest calling to you tomorrow so (laughs) 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 yeah you need to put your cape on and switch back to being super mom so thank you for joining us today and and talking about nutrition
3: yeah it was so great connecting with you both thank you for having me
0: all right. Well, we are launching a new batch of training programs that we've deemed the become series. There's three options: become a runner, become a trail runner, become a cyclist. I realize that a lot of you listening already are runners. So, but maybe tell your friends about that one, your non-running friends. And each of the programs, they're eight-week long with no race at the end. So it's almost like personal coaching, yet with the support of others, becoming alongside of you virtually a runner. And so um, each participant gets a real cool t-shirt, swag from several of our partners, like all our Talam Club programs do, entry to a private Facebook page, weekly webinar with the coaches, weekly newsletters, plus, of course, a PDF of the training plan. We've put a lot of work into these, and we're just really, really excited about them. The program's open for registration the week of May 27th, and then they all kick off, I believe, on Monday, June 7th. Um, yes, that is the correct date. And you can find all of them at trainlikeamother.club, which in a few weeks will be merged with the Another Mother Runner site. But for now, head to trainlikeamother.club and look for the Become series. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles.